only push some people just over the edge and then I'll get vaccinated because it's more convenient to be vaccinated than not. But we also contribute to pandemic control and um, unburdening potentially in the future our ICUs and hospitals. And that was, of course, Dr. Peter Uni, who's the head of the science table for the province of Ontario, saying why it's just uh, necessary to be vaccinated. And clearly it's it's uh, a convenient thing because there's going to be a passport system that uh, makes it difficult for you if you don't get vaccinated. And and so it's an incentive, but it's uh, really not a carrot incentive. It's kind of a stick incentive. And I can agree with that. And certainly some of the callers in the last segment were on that side of the fence worrying about the fact that it's a stick and uh, more than worrying, saying, you know, our freedoms are being taken away. I wonder if our next guest uh, has any opinion on that, but we'll find out. Dr. Adam Kassam, who is president of the Ontario Medical Association and a psychiatrist, practicing psychiatrist himself, joins us. Dr. Kassam, welcome. Good to be with you, Peter. And actually, I'm a physiatrist, not a psychiatrist. A physiatrist. Well, you know what? I'm reading psychiatrist, so tell me what a physiatrist is quickly. Absolutely. A physiatrist is a doctor that takes care of patients who've had muscle, bone, or nerve injuries, so strokes, spinal cord injuries, brain injuries, and we help them recover and reintegrate into our communities. Very good. You've taught me something and probably some other people too, and it's obviously good work. And thank you for being president of the OMA. Also good work. You heard what Dr. Peter Uni had to say, and uh, I'm sure you've given this great thought. And we thought we'd have you on the program because uh, there's a whole discussion going on. It has to do with whether or not doctors should be issuing medical exemptions because the only way you get into an establishment that is uh, part of the system, which is about to be uh, put in place, is if you have a medical exemption. First of all, what's your feeling on the whole idea of, uh, I guess, pushing people to get shots by saying you're not getting into certain places if you don't? Well, Peter, the OMA has been very clear from the get-go that vaccine certificates would be a reasonable step forward, especially considering now that we've had almost 80% of eligible Ontarians be vaccinated. We also called for mandatory vaccinations early on for healthcare workers and educational workers. So this is sort of in the same vein of these types of policies that we believe would be helpful for ultimately staying open in terms of our economy, making sure that small business remains open and that we are actually doing this safely. Okay, well, you didn't listen to our last segment because you're a busy guy. Uh, but if you had, you would have heard a couple of people, and I would describe them as, although they weren't shouting and screaming, angry people saying, you know, what you're doing is you're removing people's freedoms. And governments never do anything and then change it back. And uh, I'm not saying that's true. On the contrary, I've been pro-vaccine uh, passports, if you want to call them something, from the get-go. And these people are not. So it's a vocal minority. I mean, they're demonstrating outside of hospitals, which you'd know about because of the position that you hold. What do we do about these people? How do we deal with them? Could you see a situation where, you know, restaurant A has the system in place and restaurant B says, we're not too worried about it. We're not going to be part of it. So, Peter, the devil is going to really be in the details in terms of how we roll this out. Obviously, Quebec, I think, has started to do that, and, and we're going to be learning from other jurisdictions, of course. And, you know, on the on the issue of exemptions that you were earlier talking about, it, it, there are very few 
legitimate reasons for exemptions that have been validated by Ontario's Chief Medical Officer of Health. And in fact, the College of Physicians and Surgeons have sort of reiterated this narrow definition. And so just for your listeners, exemptions may be granted if patients, for example, have an allergy to the ingredient of the vaccine or its container, or if they have a severe reaction to the first dose. But most of those will actually be, uh, uh, the second dose could actually be administered under the um, supervision of an allergist or an immunologist. The other exemption that may exist is for patients who have experienced myocarditis or pericarditis, which is inflammation of the, either the heart muscle or the heart membrane after the first dose of the mRNA vaccine. And of course, uh, the second dose may be recommended to be delayed. But on the issue of how do we do this in terms of society and reopening, I think that uh, one of the things that we have to realize is that uh, right now, 80% of people who are fully vaccinated, close to that. And so if we want to be able to continue to remain open, we want to do this for our small business. We want to do this for our economy. These are all going to be very, very important uh, measures in place. And, of course, being able to execute on that is going to be very important as well. Well, we've been told by the people who are uh, particularly smart in the world of epidemiology that we're now looking at an 85 to 90% rate of vaccination to put this thing down. And I worry a lot, maybe you don't, that we can't get to 85 to 90 because of people who are absolutely resistant or um, medically incapable of taking the, the shot, whatever it happens to be. Are you optimistic that we can get there? Because we're looking at a fourth wave that's already in, in progress. I'm optimistic, Peter. I think that there are certainly people whose minds we will never be able to change. But I also do think that there's a movable middle down the middle there where we, I think, using measures like vaccine certificates or better education or going into harder reaching communities to find and have these conversations that are so valuable for patients uh, to, to really move the needle. Look, we've already seen, I think, an uptick of almost double the amount of uh, first dose, uh, uh, I think, you know, uh, appointments that were made after the announcement of this vaccine certificate only a couple of days ago. We've seen that in other jurisdictions in Quebec and, uh, and in BC as well. And so there are good examples where some of these measures may actually get us to the finish line, which is the 85-90% that we're talking about. Well, that would be good because the modeling is showing, and I'm, I want to get a reaction from you, that there's a worst-case scenario where daily cases could be uh, in excess of 9,000 by October at some point. That's not very far away, four to six weeks. At a rate of uh, growth of 4%, cases would be around 4,000 daily by the same time. I think we can probably expect that um, right now. It's, it's not a maybe. It's probably a, this is what's going to happen. Uh, in a lower range scenario, daily cases could be around or below 500. We're not there now. So we're dependent on vaccinations, and the vaccinations, even when, if somebody starts today, they've got to take dose one in most cases because they're on the mRNA vaccines. They've got to wait three or four weeks to take the next dose, and then two weeks for the uh, the, the whole thing to take. That takes you into October right there. So I, I'm, I'm sure what you'd say is... if. If you're not vaccinated, go get it. And if you don't, if you are resistant, start thinking about this because this large a caseload probably includes you. If you're listening, is that fair? It is absolutely fair. And we are in a race, as you're describing, against this variant. And we've been in a race with the vaccines from day one, uh, and we're perhaps in that last quarter mile or last kilometer of that race. Oftentimes, when we think about marathons, that last quarter mile, that last kilometer, are often the, tr the most challenging uh, in terms of endurance and other things. Same, th same thing goes with these vaccines. And so, as you're saying, our vaccines are safe, they're effective, and they're really our way out of this. If we can, I think, over the next coming weeks, really encourage people to either change their mind or have a conversation that helps them get over the finish line, I think we're going to be way better off 
our fall is going to be better. Our winters are hopefully going to be better, and we're going to actually get into the eighth or ninth inning of this bowl game. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you, and I thank you so much for coming on and making the case on behalf of the Ontario Medical Association. Have a great weekend. You too, Peter. Thank you. All right, Dr. Adam Kassam, president of the OMA, and he's a physiatrist. I learned something today. He's a physiatrist, which is important. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.